Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's episode is the second of a pair. In last week's episode, I read and discussed James Russell Lowell's poem, The First Snowfall. This week, I'm reading and discussing Longfellow's poem, Snowflakes. The two poems have much in common. They were written at about the same time, the middle of the 19th century, by men who were not only friends but near neighbors in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Both are quite short. Lowell's poem consists of ten four-line stanzas, or forty lines, while Longfellow's consists of three stanzas of six lines each. It's eighteen lines, slightly less than half of Lowell's forty. Each uses the same natural phenomenon, falling snow, to reflect on the same subject, grief. But the poems are also quite different. In its brief 40 lines, Lowell's The First Snowfall deals not only with grief, but also with time, with the snow representing the passage of time, and memory, fatherhood, and God including the different understandings of God appropriate for a young child on the one hand and a thoughtful, grieving adult on the other. Longfellow Snowflakes gives rise to thoughts about other things. Poetry itself, for one thing, the falling snowflakes are not like time but poems, and the deep sameness of human feelings and the feelings of nature feelings we today deny even exist, but which Longfellow seems quite certain of, not just as human projection, but as reality. Let's listen. Snowflakes by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Out of the bosom of the air, out of the cloud folds of her garments shaken, over the woodlands brown and bare, over the harvest fields forsaken, Silent and soft and slow descends the snow. Even as our cloudy fancies take sudden shape in some divine expression, even as the troubled heart doth make in the white countenance confession, the troubled sky reveals the grief it feels. This is the poem of the air, slowly in silent syllables recorded. This is the secret of despair, long in its cloudy bosom hoarded, now whispered and revealed to wood and field. Unlike in Lowell's The First Snowfall, the poet himself doesn't appear in snowflakes, though his thoughts and feelings certainly do. Snowflakes is a poem of someone who has not only known grief, but who has written poems in response to his grief. This poet sees a kindred spirit in the gray and clouded sky. When we read that the sky has garments, we at first recognize, consciously or unconsciously, the poetic device of personification. But as the poem continues, Longfellow seems to insist on something more, that this is no poetic device, but the sky actually has feelings of its own, just as we do. This is generally viewed by critics and students of poetry as projection, 
whereby the poet projects into some natural entity outside himself his own internal feelings. This projection was given a name, pathetic fallacy, by the Victorian art critic John Ruskin, who urged poets to abandon the practice on the grounds that it is false to nature, as science tells us. Inanimate nature, our modern scientific worldview tells us, does not have feelings, and we should be careful even when we speak of our fellow creatures in the animal kingdom. Herman Melville in Moby Dick creates a whale which embodies a malevolence toward man which Melville seems to attribute to nature itself. But the naturalist writers who come later in American literature, Stephen Crane in The Open Boat, for instance, or Jack London in To Build a Fire, portray something else, something perhaps more deeply frightening, a nature without feelings of any kind, a nature that is simply indifferent to human needs and human suffering. This we, with our scientific minds, can believe, much as we might like not to, and thus we find it difficult today to relate to Longfellow's poem of a troubled, despairing sky. But Longfellow, hardly a primitive pagan of a benighted time, is firm in his presentation. In Lowell's The First Snowfall, the snow is like time. But Longfellow sky isn't like a grieving human being. It is a grieving sky, sharing with us a common condition. Grief is a part of nature, just as it is a part of us. And just as human beings produce poems out of their grief, as Lowell did in writing The First Snowfall, the sky produces snow out of its grief. Let's listen again. Snowflakes by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Out of the bosom of the air, out of the cloud folds of her garments shaken, over the woodlands brown and bare, over the harvest fields forsaken, silent and soft and slow, descends the snow. Even as our cloudy fancies take sudden shape in some divine expression, even as the troubled heart doth make in the white countenance confession, the troubled sky reveals the grief it feels. This is the poem of the air, slowly in silent syllables recorded. This is the secret of despair, long in its cloudy bosom hoarded, now whispered and revealed to wood and field. Our Western scientific worldview has brought us much that's to our benefit, but it has also created a separation in our minds between ourselves and nature that has been good neither for us nor for the rest of the natural world that we now feel separate from. As part of an annual series, there appears each year a volume entitled the best American science and nature writing of such and such a year. But while science today has learned a great deal about the natural world, and science writing for those who aren't scientists tells us wondrous things that may even inspire us and help us to help the natural world around us, I still can't help but feel an incongruity in this pairing, 
as if there were to appear each year a volume collecting the best American business and spiritual writing. Victor Frankenstein, the representative of science in Mary Shelley's prescient 1818 novel, records in his journal that he pursued nature to her hiding place, and as a result created a monster. For our sake, and for the sake of the world whose life we are a part of, it is well to remember that there is more to heaven and earth than our science can know of. I hope you enjoyed this discussion of poetry and our human place in the natural world, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the fireside.